0: Welcome to Time to Show Up, the podcast and community that supports you to flourish and grow in your personal and professional life.
1: There's no better time to show up than now.
0: Today we are speaking to Steve Watson, better known under his pen name as S.J. Watson, the author renowned for his psychological thriller Before I Go to Sleep a book he wrote while working as an audiologist in the NHS. S.J. Watson achieved international acclaim with this debut novel. It became a bestseller and was adapted into a film starring Nicole Kidman and Colin Firth. Watson's work is celebrated for its gripping exploration of memory, identity, and suspenseful storytelling. It established him as a notable figure in the psychological thriller genre. In our discussion, we discovered the themes of vocation and calling and how to distinguish that from other directive voices in our heads, like our superego. We also cover themes around the messages received from childhood and how to recover from them, how to make time for your passions, and what really is the meaning of success. We hope you enjoy this interview.
1: Hey, Steve, thanks for joining us on Time to Show Up. It's great to be talking with you today.
2: Uh, thank, Thank you for inviting me. Thank you.
1: So we're going to start with a very direct question, which is, if you are able to say something about yourself, to describe yourself to someone who's never met you, about who you are as a person, what would you say to them?
2: Oh my God. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What would I say to them? Um, Describe myself now to someone who's never met me. Mm.
0: Um, Yeah, not in the resume fashion,
2: right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think I think I I'm st- I think I'm still I'm still somebody who is kind of st- struggling in terms of um, but I am getting to know myself which I feel sort of slightly I I have a constant kind of um, internal almost a battle of like thinking I ought to know myself better than I do I'm 52 years old mm-hmm. and at the, but at the same time thinking I think I actually do know myself I just struggle to articulate it um, if that makes sense. Um, mm. I don't know. I think, I think I'm a work in progress is probably how I would <laughs> define myself. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm learning boundaries better and to know who I am as a writer and as a person. Is that what you meant? Or did you mean to me to say like, yeah, I'm a writer? of <laughs> <psychological> <laughs> no, okay, thrillers. That's we, <laughs> Yeah, that's
0: what we, we, that's what we didn't want. And it's a, right. it's great to start with that answer because it, we we kind of been discovering in a lot of these interviews about how people don't want to be boxed into that more mm. resume thing, and it's actually quite mm. difficult to introduce yourself <clears throat> without you know throwing yourself into some kind of category label.
2: Or, well, it's or difficult isn't it? because that's like almost that. the easy stuff to say. You know what what you've achieved, and, and what, mm. you know where you live, and whether you're married or not, and stuff like that. Is that's kind of that's not that's that's almost me- It's not meaningless, but it's almost meaningless. It feels. Mm. When when, when yeah. someone's trying to understand who you actually are, well, which is what we're going to be
0: <laughs> getting for for the rest of this interview. Yes, yes. <laughs> Starting with question two, which is which goes right right for it. So, um, okay, could you tell us something about a key formative experience um, that you think may have shaped <clears throat> who you are? Today, as this fifty-two-year-old who's still discovering himself, and I know there's lots to choose from. But if
2: you could- yeah, there, that again, that's, that's very difficult to choose one key formative experience. I think, I think um, it's interesting because a lot of it, I, a lot of who I am today, I, I think I am because of the way my father was with me. Um, he he was very stick, not carrot. I mean, not physically, but he, he was very. His kind of um, the thing that I was told over and over again is that I was useless and that I would never amount to anything, and that was his word. And and it's really strange because even now, however many years later, the word "useless" really triggers me. I know trigger. I know trigger is an overused. You know, I don't end up crying in a corner, and you know, but it really is a word that I hate hearing, especially about myself. so, I mean, there are there are a number of occasions when I can when I can remember that. I mean, there's one I do remember, and I don't. It's nothing specific about it. There's nothing particularly interesting about it. It was one time I was in in the garden, and um, he he was a man who 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 believed, and I'm not saying this is wrong. Actually, he believed that I ought to people kids ought to earn their pocket money. That you know, so I got to get my fifty pence. I had to fifty p a week. I had to. Um, clean the car or rake the leaves off the lawn and stuff and I remember one time I was in the back garden and and I missed a leaf I would probably missed a few leaves but you know and I was told I was useless and I would never amount to anything and so <clears throat> I think I can't well I know I carried that with me and I know it's still there now mm. Um, I, and and kind of if I fast forward there was a time after I'd written the, my book and, you know, I felt you know, I was a successful author and and I, and I kind of, I'd achieved something. I remember my therapist saying to me, um, basically I was kind of moaning about my dad and how he'd kind of hadn't, hadn't been a very, um, I don't think that's a very supportive way of raising a child or telling them they're rubbish. In the because I mean, he was mm-hmm. doing it because he hoped that that would, that would drive me to achieve more and to, you know, um, So on, but uh, and I remember talking to my therapist about that, and she said, "Yeah, but it 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 worked." I mean, I'm obviously massively paraphrasing what she actually said, but essentially, she said, (laughs) it, "It kind of you got to where you are, and maybe one of the reasons you got to where you are was because of because of that attitude that he had." and it's funny because i kind of really re- inside i really reacted against that i kind of almost wanted to argue and go but it's you know and but actually i thought you know she probably she'd probably spent a long time waiting for the right moment to introduce that idea to me that that actually he, although his methods were perhaps unkind and 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 would be frowned upon now they did kind of um shape who i became i am you know i'm quite a perfectionist i'm quite driven i suppose i'm quite um nothing nothing is ever good enough which which is both a good thing yeah. and a bad thing i think in, in the line of work that i do um so i do think that kind of those kind of experiences and there were many of them there were many many of them when i was told i was useless and rubbish it would never amount to anything but i think they did give me subconsciously perhaps a drive to prove him wrong or to you know yeah to be to achieve something that was um, okay, I'm trying to avoid the word extraordinary, but I suppose that is the word I mean. That's something that is un, is out of the is not usual. It's not kind of I didn't just want a normal life. I suppose maybe, mm. maybe. So yeah, maybe that was they. Maybe that was the kind of formative experience. Mm. Mm.
1: It's it's almost like a formative thread, or or mm. it's almost like a rudder. Somehow, this kind of uselessness. Um, yeah, But also the, the idea of an extraordinary life is fascinating that, that anything other than that perhaps might not be enough.
2: Yeah. yeah. And, and I think it was, it's, I mean, I don't know whether this is relevant or something you want to get into later or not, but I do remember uh, there was a time, I don't know, it's probably, I can't remember exactly when it would have been, but it was after the film of my book had come out. Um, you know, and I'd be number one in the bestsellers. So by any measure, my book was, you know, I, I was a successful writer. Um, and I, I remember, um, I was doing an event in Birmingham, which is near where my dad, um, lives and, um, my father lives. And, uh, and he was going to come, and then he couldn't come for some reason. And and I just re- really remember, like, I he'd never said he was proud of me, and I realised that that was a lot of what had driven me to achieve what I'd achieved. And I and I remember, it, I mean, maybe this in a way is a formative experience as well. But I remember because I remember exactly where it was. I was outside the Wagamamas in Hoburn, <laughs> walking. I don't know where I was going or where I'd been, but I, that's where I was. And I and I just, in, in a kind of quite unusual for me, um, spontaneous decision, just picked up my. My mobile and rank him and and I pretty much basically said are, are you proud of me and he mm-hmm. kind of fudged an answer and i and I had to go no just just to, I just need a yes or a no I don't you know I, I don't want your qualifications and your and I bullied him into saying he was proud of me <laughs> <laughs> um which is kind of it was kind of weird in a way because I think by the time he said it, I didn't need it anymore
0: maybe i don't know anyway yeah, yeah. Was, did, did it land with you when you got him to say it or you kind of maybe you kind of answered that
2: mm-hmm. yeah i mean i heard it and i think it's weird because i think i i think i knew he was um i he's just a, he's just a man who is absolutely emotionally crippled really and and i knew he would be unable to tell me and that the best I could manage was, to, it almost felt like an exercise just to kind of a, a, like a, just to get him to say, I, so yeah, I think it did land with me. But, it, but weirdly, it, when it did land, it didn't land as a surprise. It didn't, it, I, I kind of, I still felt very let, I still, I think I still felt very let down. Mm. I, I still felt it was a very basic thing that I, I was asking for. But I, I suppose it all kind of ties together because it was this, you know, I'd he'd he'd kind of um, in a way, I suppose you could say, in a way, he kind of bullied me into doing really well. But and I suppose so. I suppose the, the kind of the, the the quid pro quo of that is that when I do do really well, you say you say well done, right? You know, you're not useless. I mean, that's what I wanted to hear: is you're not useless. Mm-hmm. I well, think like that's the, what it really boils down to.
0: Yeah, I, I'm definitely putting a. a pin in that because what you're, what you're describing as you'll probably know from your own (laughs) therapy is, you know, how, how one develops their, their super ego, which often, Mm. you know, becomes a motivator for good or bad. And, and Mm. I'm definitely going to like, um, we'll we'll come back to that (laughs) later.
1: So then in terms of the surprising things that have happened in the course of your life, what's something Mm. unexpected that has perhaps altered your path, um, and it could be for the better or for the worse, but something unexpected that, that you experienced that shaped how your
2: life course ran, and has run so far. Well, I mean, this almost seems like a really easy answer, but I, well, okay, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say the success of the book completely changed my life in in, in almost every single way. Completely, completely changed my life in a way completely, also I think completely changed, well, at least massively changed who I am as a mm. person. But that doesn't really feel like an event. That doesn't feel like an incident or, or you know, or, I mean, it was unexpected. Um, but that, that's the kind of time that I, that kind of month when I'd written the book and my agent had sent it out to publishers and, and the kind of, the world just went, my my world just turned upside down in almost every single way. It was both good and bad. It was it was good, but w- it wasn't necessarily easy. Um, but then there's also my me and my parents. Um, I do think of my parents' uh, separation as being quite a formative event as well. Um, but that's also difficult to unpick because it happened. It happened um, sort of two weeks, I think, before my A-levels. And then so that happened in the May. And then in the September or the October, I went to university. And so ev- everything was changing. It's, so it's difficult to say my life took this direction because my parents split, because my life did take a different direction. But of course it was going to. I went to university. I left home. I, you know... Um, mm-hmm. So there was that, and then you know I could go back further and say the, probably the realization, which was it. But again, this is a gradual thing. But the gradual realization that I was gay was was also mm-hmm. a massive, obviously a massive life changing thing. But I can't point to a specific. That's not an event. Again, that's not an event. That's a kind of something that comes came to me.
1: It's kind of unfolding experiences somehow.
2: Yeah. So a lot, a lot of them. It's just a strange one actually because. Um, and this is also a theme in my therapy, I think quite often when I have therapy, I find it difficult to pin things to specific events. i It I almost feels as though I block them. Hmm. Um, I don't know whether that's a, a a common thing or not, and not not because they' particular I mean I haven't had any particularly traumatic, hmm. you know I, I know people who've found people, you know anyway, found dead bodies and things like that. And there's nothing like that you know. <laughs> oh my or, or, God. That's or, or, an interesting or, one you know. to point yeah. to. Yeah. And, um, well, no, no. I think it was just my. my I'll just say that as a quick aside because my my cousin my cousin was being babysat by his. Uh, who would it have been? An elderly relative, anyway. I think on his on his on the other side of the family, and that person died while he was in the house and he was quite young, oh. and so he was trapped with the body for a number oh of hours. Gosh. I'm laughing. It's not funny. Um, <laughs> so, there's nothing like that. <laughs>
0: well, but it, oh. yeah. it's for, it's, um, it's interesting.
2: Stephen, I think it's
0: another one we'll get into. In that, I think often in people's stories, it is about events, and often in reality, it's not really about events. You know, sometimes mm. those events happen, right? The sudden change yeah. in the mm. world, but a lot of it, most things are slow burns. And when people go into therapy and expect to find the thing, right? Yeah. This is the thing. Yeah, I think it often yes. is more or less, as you described, that it's a you know, it's a process yeah. that becomes a thing, and mm. mm. it's narrative. One follow-up yeah. question, though, on that before, and then we've got one more question before we go into the, into the I don't know, more, more intensive <laughs> interview style. <but.
2: laughs> oh, God, it's feeling quite intense already, to be honest. Yeah, well, okay. we, we go for, we, 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 <laughs> go, go we for start as jugular. we need to go. Yes, <laughs> yes. yes. Um, oh, this is just you buttering me up. This is, <laughs> this, okay.
0: this is foreplay, right? This is foreplay. <laughs> Enjoy the foreplay because you, you're about to get fucked. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I do hope our community <laughs> folks would
2: be like, yep, yes. we
0: signed up for this. Yes. Um, <laughs> was it unexpected? Because for a lot of people, like a lot of people have unreasonable expectations about their, their book projects, mm. right? And other people mm. will uh, completely not expect that what happened to you would happen to them. So... Mm. W- was it surprising and unexpected that your first book became an international bestseller and then a blockbuster <laughs> movie yeah, what no i say always knew like, like
2: no yeah <laughs> yeah it was a complete. it was a complete surprise i mean i mean um you know, the the whole the, the whole and I think it's probably even worse now, but certainly, you know, this was we're now into two thousand and nine, two thousand into two thousand and ten when I was writing it, the constant kind of refrain that you hear about the publishing world is that it's incredibly difficult to get published. Mm-hmm. And of those that do get published, most people um, most people, you know, don't don't I'm talking specifically about fiction here, but most people don't manage even published authors. The median wage is less than the minimum wage was in twenty in 1956 or something. It's like <sighs> it's not, you know. Uh, um, I, I think I was on. I was doing a course at the time, so I was presenting chapter kind of chapters of, of what became before I go to sleep to my course mates and they kind of were enjoying obviously enjoying it and felt there was a a potential there and so I suppose I I, re- I thought it was my best chance of being published mm-hmm. even that felt like it was a not a one in a million but it didn't feel like well no it didn't feel likely it felt possible but unlikely mm-hmm. um and then at each stage you know I took took the book to um the woman who became my agent and Mm -hmm. and she and I expecting I suppose expecting her to go yeah it's 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 fine but it's not for me you know good luck but she was like um no it's fine we still need some work but blah 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 you know she was excited by it and so at each stage kind of incrementally I was waiting for the for the for the um what's the word for the the dream to come crashing down, and someone to go, no, actually, no, and and it didn't. So it was a kind of again, it was a kind of gradual realization. But to answer your question, no, I didn't expect it at all. It was a re- it was a complete, it was a complete shock. I mean, there was one. So a good friend of mine who was on the course with, I remember we, somebody had come to talk to us about publishing and being published and the reality of it, and had basically said, you know chance, it basically said, the chances of you writing a book which goes on to sell a million copies and be turned into a film—they pretty much word for word said this. The chances of you doing that and being able to then make a living from this, from just from writing and not having to have a day job, is almost zero. And uh, but uh, Antonio and I had kind of in the pub afterwards. We're going, yeah, but I secretly think I might be one of the ones who does happen. To me. <laughs> and I did say, and I did say that, but I don't think I was being serious. Mm. Well, I yeah, I was. Yeah, it was a complete surprise. It was a complete shock because I don't think I don't. I think it's almost like winning the lottery is not something you can expect to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's not. Obviously, it's not quite like that. But um, yeah, you don't. You have
0: to do a little bit more than just buy a
2: ticket, which I, I yeah. guess is probably what we're gonna <laughs> yeah, be moving, moving yeah, I into, suppose. Yeah, right? I'm kind of doing myself a disservice there. Yeah. I mean, I remember. I don't. This is relevant, but I do remember going to my. My agent called me and so she'd read the new, the second draft that she saw of the book. And she, she said, let's have a meeting in the office. Now I was slightly confused as to why she wanted me to go into the office because I was, I was kind of almost then still expecting an email saying, I don't think it's quite there yet, but she said, let's have a meeting on Friday. And I went into the office and she introduced me to her, the foreign rights director of the, oh. of the, of the agency. And I, and, and again, I didn't know why I was lit, literally remembered and not, knowing why she was introducing me to this person. And then and then I realized that they shared an office. I was like oh, that's why because and then, but then he swiveled his chair around and started talking to me about well, we'll take it out to France and then to Germany and we'll take it out to Italy and then we'll go to the scandi countries and we'll hopefully sell it in Japan and China and it's like and I was thinking is like no no one had ever actually said to me we think we can publish we think this book
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> it just skips that and I, and I and I, and I <laughs> let,
2: yeah. <laughs> And I, I I remember leaving the office that after that meeting feeling slightly like I didn't really know what had just happened. And I rang um, Nick, my partner at the time, and and was like, I, th- I think they think that they might be able to publish in more than one language. <laughs> it was, but it was kind of, it was still. So, uh, this is this. It's funny because I I've started a podcast and we're, we're just talking about imposter syndrome, and there was a, it was a real imposter syndrome. Mm moment. And and I actually thinking about it, I do remember the overwhelming feeling was that I'd I'd managed to con these people into thinking I'd written a good book. Oh. Um which didn't go away for quite a long time actually. Well I imagine with that message of uselessness you've been carrying around
0: up until that point, well, it takes yeah, a lot to yeah. overcome, doesn't it? Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah uh yeah i mean i cause I, I do remember a very specific occasion when, when Claire, my agent said to me uh well well now we've now we've sold the book for however much it, you know however many figures i can't i guess that's awful however many figures it was I can't even <laughs> remember, but now you know we'd sold the book for a relatively large amount in Germany, and she then then she said and now now we'll tell i don't know denmark and 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 France and blah 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 how much and how, and how much it's sold for in Germany, and that will you know get them interested and I said, oh yes, yeah. so then we can convince them that it's an important book. And she said, no, it, it is an important book. And it was completely like shocked to me that it, this wasn't a game. This wasn't a, this ploy is working where we're going to, you know, they think it's good and we're going to keep, you know, she was like, no, it is good. It's, I still found I still find, found it very difficult to hear.
3: Mm.
2: So, yeah.
1: I'm curious, so um, to go slightly off piece here, earlier you were chatting about the change that it brought about in your life. When, when the book mm. became successful. And I, again, it's back to this point of, I guess, a period of unfolding, perhaps a particularly climactic chapter rather than a singular event. Um, but I'm really curious what success means to you because that sort of level of change where you talked about many aspects of your life suddenly turning upside down, mm. from the outside looking in, it can be very tempting for folks who haven't had that degree of... Let's say success in inverted commas, because we know it's a lot more complicated than that. Mm. For, for someone on the outside looking in to say, oh, this is amazing, he's got his name up in lights and he's been one of these one in a million authors who does manage to, to have an extraordinary mm. success with with all the hard work that you put in. What did success entail for you, including those other parts of the life that that got flipped on their head? Uh, so let's untangle that a little bit if you're up for it.
2: Yeah, I do. I, I remember the. As, I mean, I mean, kind of as, as okay, as as Claire started to make agent Claire, as she started to make deals in different countries, and then you know, and they became big deals, and some of the publishers that were they're like, this is the biggest deal we've ever done with this publisher, and, and and I suppose, I realised the book was a success, you know, okay. Was it a success then? Because it, it could have. It could. Have, I think I was aware it could have still. You know, they might have published it in Germany, and nobody bought it. I think that's the thing. It was still all an uncertain and unknown, an unknown. What was actually going to happen? And I, I think. I think I was mature enough to realise that was very destabilising, and that there's a there was a danger of me thinking. Well we've sold it to twenty eight countries now, so will I be happy will will I define success as thirty hmm. and I think I realized on some again possibly subconscious level that when if I got to thirty, I would just want to get to thirty five you know hmm. um and and i and I, and 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 it and it is what kind of what happened. I was massive, you know, I never dreamt I would even have a book published. I certainly never dreamt I'd be at number one in the Sunday Times bestseller list. And I certainly never dreamt I'd be at number one for seven weeks. But when it was seven weeks, I wanted eight. And when something else was number one in the eighth week, there was an element of me that was like, ugh. You know, which is kind of kind of ridiculous. And if I could go back to my former, you know, my my, my younger self, and and I'd, I'd go, well, what you're being a dick if you, you know, <laughs> seven weeks is good, you know.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um. So, but I think I was aware of that, and so one of the things I did, which I was actually really pleased with myself for doing, was I took a bit of time to have a think about what I would define as success. What would be my definition? Because obviously the publisher, if they sell 2 million copies, they're going to want to sell 3 million copies. And and it's never enough Or, you know, it's never enough. So I thought, well, what will I? And I realized that really what I wanted to do was to have a book that people read. It wasn't even about how many people or that to an extent. It wasn't even about... Um, how, you know, how many were, copies were sold, how much money was made, whether it turned into a film or not. Okay, because okay, that was another thing which I never dreamt, a li- you know, I literally never dreamt would happen. Um, and I remember thinking success for me would be if I ever see somebody who I don't know, a stranger basically, or not related to, obviously, reading my book yeah you know, that would that will be success and i remember exactly where it happened it was at waterloo station i was coming i don't know what i was doing at waterloo i don't usually use waterloo but anyway i was <laughs> I was coming off the train somebody was literally running for their train but reading my book as they were running on wow. the, the, the platform oh. and that was like yeah okay that's that's kind and it's funny because people have sent me photos friends of mine had sent me photos of they'd seen people on the tube or whatever reading my book but that that well, was obviously that that did land with me and it was a nice Affirmation or a nice feeling, but when I saw someone with my own eyes, complete stranger Mm. reading my book, that that was that was that was kind of success. Was it enough? No, because um, you always you know it's uh, well. Was it? Yeah, it was my definition of success anyway. It's Mm. answered the question. I can't Mm. remember what the question.
0: It's fascinating, Steve. I think because there's this one thing about big numbers, right? And and how many countries, but actually it's. A single person, like the reality of a single person reading a page, that has a kind of impact. Mm. That's you and know, you know, yeah, yeah, almost like the other thing is kind of an idea. Of course, it's not an idea because a royalty mm. check will then come. <laughs> you know, after. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I let's let's roll back? It's all, it, but it's all, it, yeah. Sorry, no. Finish your thought.
2: Well, I say, like, it's almost it almost feels like an extreme an extrinsic versus an intrinsic validation. Like, I, I know they're both extrinsic in a way, aren't they? But but kind of the maybe because I never went into it to make money because I never thought I would make money. So even though some quite large, they weren't actually checks, but, you know, some quite large <laughs> metaphorical checks were landing in my bank mm-hmm. account. I, 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 I'm, not, that, I'm not saying I didn't mean it. Of course, that meant a lot because it, it allowed me to, you know, live a nicer life and buy more things. <laughs> and it was very real, but it didn't mean as much as, someone else Mm read my book yeah i i'll take sucker in that
0: since my my royalty non check just arrived for the little book of calm and it was it was for
2: 56
1: pounds (laughs) yeah
2: well believe it or not mine mine are kind of a similar level now so it doesn't last (laughs) (laughs) but I, i yeah i can identify that 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 satisfaction you're describing
0: but i want to go like way before that now because we kind of we we kind of have Sort of an endpoint, which is still an open question, right? Like, when does it settle? Mm. When does it feel like success? What, what does success mean to an individual? What fixes the wound of the uselessness? Mm. But you, you know, you weren't a, a writer. You had a different mm. job, right? I think you were an audiologist. Mm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah? Oh, I, I, yeah. Yeah. I yes. So you were not. You were an audiologist at one stage, <laughs> and uh, you chose to do uh, novel writing course. Can you just tell us a little bit about like again, not not the kind of the motivation. So what Mm. happens in that you're doing a completely unrelated job, something arises within you and then you pursue it to the end, right? Because a lot of people will take a course, a lot of people will try to write a book. A lot of people Yeah. So
2: can you tell us a little bit about that? I mean, there are a number of things. Um I think it's probably important to say I, it, it wasn't just that I decided to I would become a writer and then did a course. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd written my entire life to a, to a greater or lesser extent. It, it it had always been there as as a as an ambition to have a book published, to write novels. Um, I remember you know when I was at school and people would ask me. Again, I think it was probably my father actually mm-hmm. asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, and I said. You know, I want to write novels. And, and he said, well, it's not very, um, which is not, this is not bad advice, but it's, it's not a very stable, lucrative career. So maybe you should try something else. And so the kind of doing the science degree and then training to become a clinical scientist in the NHS and then doing that job, All it, I was going to say it always felt like second best. It's, that's not quite, that's not true. Quite, but it did always, it always felt like the writing was something which was there in the background that one day I would want to go back to. I'd never gave up that dream of being a novelist. Um, and then uh, kind of. Uh, A couple of things, like I've never actually like really told anyone this before, but I always really wanted to be a rock star. I wanted to be (laughs) Kurt Cobain or Robert Smith or, you know, I'm useless at playing the guitar and I can't sing and I have no musical ability whatsoever. So I know I don't know why I thought that this was a, you know, but I think the reason I mention it was I think it was always there as I want to be special or I want to create. I think it's more, yeah, maybe it's more about creating than being special. Or maybe that's just I'm saying that because it just sounds cooler. Maybe I did <laughs> want to be special. I wanted to yeah. feel special. Um, you know, I wanted I wanted to be on a tour bus and have a door and fans and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and then I, <laughs> I reached my sort of I'm slightly joking, but like I reached my sort of mid to late 30s, and a number of things happened. Um I I kind of my job in the NHS was becoming more and more um grueling in a way I suppose isn't yeah it it was taking more out of me Um, I was also imposter syndrome there as well was becoming huge because and I don't I think actually I was a bit of an imposter to be honest because as I got more senior more and more and more and more more and more of my job became about having meetings with finance directors and Mm -hmm. I don't even know. And I was never very good at that. And I was never interested in it. So that, in that aspect, I always did feel like I actually was faking it. The working with the kids, cause I was in pediatrics, the working with the kids, I was actually good at. And mm-hmm. and it took me a long time to be able to say I was good. I was good at my job, um, but I, w- I knew I was good at it. And I left every day knowing I'd done, you know, I was good at my job and I trained people and they, you know, and I got a lot of pleasure out of that, but I, my job was taking more out of me mentally as well. and, and i want i just felt like i wanted to change and then and then as i was getting older i kind of i joked that i had a kind of a midlife crisis and thought what i what do I? okay the, the serious side of that is i was approaching my 40th birthday and you know obviously 40 is not old by any means but it is it felt like a landmark birthday in mm-hmm. a, in the a way that I think when I hit, when I was approaching my 30th birthday, I didn't feel that. I still felt like I had plenty of time to do anything I wanted to do. All the doors were still open. you know. I could retrain to become whatever at 30. I didn't feel that at 40. I, it felt more like doors were closing and things were becoming... Um, op- options were... Sh- were, were, were yeah. I think it was just that time when I just realised if I want to do this... write a book it's now yeah I can't keep on going at some point in the future at some point in the future at some point in the future because you know none of us know how long we've got but obviously the older you get the less time you have and so and I remember I kind of did actually quite clearly have this thought about I don't want to be at the end of my life and look back at it and look back on my life and go I always wanted to write a novel and I never did or I never tried, really tried. I dabbled, mm. but I never really put serious energy into it. Because I think it was also a kind of realisation that if I was going to do this, I would have to put in my, what's the cliche, 5,000 hours or whatever it is that you need to put in to become an expert in anything. I kind of realised that I'm not, I'm not just going to get up one morning and 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 the words are effortlessly going to flow and, and then I'll, a book will happen. I'm going to have to work. So... I kind of made the decision to to put the writing more, more to put it front and center of my life. And it was, in in a way, it was a kind of, I didn't, I still thought what I was doing was having a proper go so that I could look back at least and go, I tried. I tried and I failed, and then I went back to the NHS and that's fine, but at least I tried. Um, It would have felt the true failure would have been not really having a go properly. And so that's kind of what I did. It was just something I I kind of needed to do to the kind of it was just a realization that I was on the track I was on was not the one I wanted to be on. If that makes sense, I I was senior in the NHS by the time I left. And the next logical career step was for me to be the head of a department, which and, and kind of in a weird sort of way I realized should have been my ambition it felt like the ambition i should have had but i did just didn't have i didn't feel it and uh, and my partner at the time was like but you you know you can do this and and it and i i was like yeah i okay but i don't want to <laughs> um it felt like a like a need it wasn't even a need to publish a book i i was quite i was quite prepared to not to have had to not have a book published mm. It, I would have been disappointed. Well, no, would I have even been disappointed? I don't think I was expecting it. I think it was more of a, like an exercise. I need to do this to prove that I've that I've given it a go.
1: It's funny, as you're, as you're talking about that, two images come to mind. One is kind of the um, this image of climbing a mountain and you're getting closer and closer to the top. And then you look out and you're like, hold on, this is not the mountain I want to be climbing. I want that one. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: And it's like, how do, yeah. you, how do you get across? And I think sometimes with that analogy, it's there are, my sense that, or my, my feeling is that nothing in life is really wasted. But, but if you're climbing at the, towards the top of one mountain, it's rare that you have to then do a full descent to climb right from the bottom of the other. Often there are kind of like mm. jumps where you're maybe climbing from a halfway point. Or mm. So there's that element. But then also something else that you mentioned about the idea of I could, this could be my next thing. Almost as if it's like you're walking down a path of someone else's life. And that if you don't attempt to walk the path of writing, no matter where it takes you, if you don't get your feet on that path, somehow it's a deeper sense of not having lived into some aspect of your potential. Um, and so like the idea of having a proper go is like, I have to commit myself to this at some level. Mm. Otherwise in my dying breath, I'll be like, I didn't even open that door. What could have happened if I just opened that door?
2: Yeah. And it was re- it was a really strong feeling that mm. I ca- I can't imagine what that would be like to not to look back it would that would feel like the failure not yes. not having like writing a book that then didn't get published wouldn't have felt like a failure to the same extent yeah. well no it wouldn't at all actually
0: mm. yeah. isn't it interesting Steve like. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that when Natalie asked you before about success and it was like the next country in the next country, right. Or the two million and three million, from that, from your perspective, inside the NHS, the definition of success is to have tried to write a, to have succeeded in having written a novel, right. That it could mm. have sat in a drawer that you could have been an administrator that you might mm. not have been super happy being an administrator, but like you had, you'd written a novel. Mm. and And how like that, like, like when you were saying that, I was like, wow. So, so clearly the success happened long before you go into that. Yeah. Long before like foreign rights. Right. So I'm curious and I know we're kind of jiggling and jiggling jiggling a lot of directions, but like, how, how do you make sense of the Steve that completed what the task that he set himself, the, the, Mm. the commitment, Right. And then that it actually did what nobody expected it would do. And that provokes, like, is it really a
2: success, (laughs) right? It's like a total paradox Mm. in a sense.
3: Mm.
2: Mm. Well, I think maybe it's because maybe this all ties in together because maybe when I went part-time in the NHS and and I took my course, I wanted to write a novel, yes, but I, I think I often joke, you know. People say there's a novel in, in anybody, and every anyone could write a novel, and to, that's kind of true. In the in the same way that I could write a symphony, it would be really, really rubbish because I have no music ability <laughs> whatsoever. But it, you know, I could throw some notes down on a bit of, on a you know an, whatever, and whatever, and call it a symphony. Um, can anyone? And so the question became: Can I write? I want to write a good novel. I don't just want to write rubbish. And then the question becomes: Well, how am I going to define a good novel? Is it when my mom tells me it's good? No, because I could almost literally write the phone book out, <laughs> and my mom would say it was gripping and, and unputdownable because that's just the person that she is. She's a massive supporter, and and she would never turn around to me and go, "I didn't really like that; it wasn't very good." She just wouldn't, you know. Mm-hmm. So, who? So, who, so then the question becomes: Well, who, who, who do I want to tell me this is a good book? And actually, I'd forgotten this completely until just now, before the ambition was um, to see some a stranger reading it on a platform or whatever, the ambition. I remember thinking what I really want, what I really want to need is somebody in the publishing world or not even necessarily in the publishing world, but somebody who has some knowledge anyway and who, who I'm not related to, to say, yeah, this is publishable. Even if it then didn't go on to get published, that would have felt like a success mm-hmm. as well, actually. That's what I wanted, to someone to say, you wrote a book and it's good.
1: That recognition
2: yeah. of the work, um,
1: good
2: enough. Yeah. And I'd, for, I'd completely forgotten that that would, that, I remember that was the thing. It was if, if someone reads my book and goes, this is publishable, you know, whether it got published or not, was it almost irrelevant? Because I wasn't expecting to, to be able to give up my day job or anything. So it wasn't kind of that kind of success, but. There's something very quiet
0: about that aim and how it meets something outside of all of the noise that often comes with um, imposter syndrome and numbers mm. and well, comparisons, right? Even if, you, if, you're, if you're on the bestseller list for seven weeks and that's like a 0.05% chance that's going to happen. Somebody's <laughs> going to be on that yeah. list for eight weeks or nine weeks. Right. Yeah. So it's never going to be yeah. the win, but somehow mm. this recognition, like I wrote a, a book that was good enough to be publishable. Mm. <sighs> hmm. It's just like a quiet, you know, it it's just, it's just, a, it's just <laughs> a quiet settling. Like that, that can be all right, you know?
1: Yeah. So thinking then about motivation to take the part-time work to cut it down a little bit to make space to explore the possibility of writing a book, it's it's kind of it's not an all-or-nothing. Right, I'm leaving everything, jacking it all off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. I'm
3: going to take that again. Right? No, we're leaving that. We are not leaving that. We are not leaving that in.
2: That could be for the outtakes, the DVD extras. Oh God,
3: <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> so,
1: so thinking about the the motivational piece and making the decision to make space for you to explore what it is to write a book, you know, going part time instead of just saying, right, I'm leaving, I'm I'm just going to go and commit all I have to to exploring what it means to be a writer. What motivated you to make that first? decision to say okay we're just gonna reduce these hours so I can free up potential space for this calling I don't know if you'd call it a calling
2: yeah I think it kind of was a calling I think it was a calling that was calling louder and louder and that's kind of one of the things I could I couldn't really ignore it anymore but yeah it, it was um again it was a combination of things I mean it, it partly it was um I, I I was in a I was in a stable and happy relationship and 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 that felt really important like I, I felt supported to do this and and also between me and and my partner of the time we we were comfortable you know we it wasn't uh, the financial aspect it, 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 i i've never been you know going back to my father my father is very driven by money um in a very i think uh, unhelpful way but anyway i've never been that person um so I, it wasn't that I wanted to progress through the health service to be earning more, always be earning more and more money. Um, so that was kind of going on. That actually, financially, I am able to to make these changes. I mean, my part when I went part time because I, I not only went part time, I also went. For, so I went from full time to part time, and I also went from a band eight, which is a very senior level in the health service, to a band seven, mm-hmm. which. Um, doesn't sound like that much of a change but actually I went to a relatively junior it's a very backward step to do you know I went to a relatively junior clinician so my take-home pay kind of halved pretty much overnight or yeah not quite but almost but it it was I I was just I it's funny again one of the we've talked about pivotal moments I could not think of any this was kind of one as well a very quiet another quite quiet pivotal moment but I remember bef- a few months before I made this decision to to go part time and co- read really construct on the writing. I was in, I joined a writing group in Brick Lane, and we met in this. I can't remember what it was like coffee shop, I think. Anyway, I only went about three or four times, but I do remember there was this guy there, younger than me, um, obviously very very. Um, talented, and also very enthusiastic. He, he just seemed very happy with what he was doing. I mean, I don't actually know whether he was or not. I don't know, you know, but he seemed very confident about his work, confident about his writing, confident about where he wanted to be. It felt like somebody who was doing what they were, born, you know, was living out his, a fulfilling, you know. But I do remember, I noticed that his, the sole of his shoe was taped on with gaffer tape Mm. and that for some reason I remember it now however like 15 years later because I do remember thinking he doesn't have money necessarily like I wouldn't go out I would have gone and bought a new pair of trainers because I can afford a new pair of trainers but he is happier than me Mm. even if he has got wet feet if it rains you know (laughs) <laughs> um, it, it was about thinking there is re- this drive to always be earning more to get the promotion to be move my way up through the ranks of the health service wasn't going to make me happy, uh, and also that I could go part time and re and and still you know I, we, I was I, I I kind of sometimes I feel uncomfortable talking about this because it's like it's like I'm painting a picture when I say I went part time and. And and took a demotion uh, essentially, and halved my take-home pay. I'm painting the picture for like I was eating cold baked beans out of a tin, you know, <laughs> and shivering in a in a garret in in Paris or whatever. But and it wasn't that at all. I was, but I was looking at like you know possibly we might not be able to go on quite as many nice holidays. You know, we you know I still had a good, I still still earning a decent amount, and and my my partner was was earning a good amount, so we were fine. You know, it wasn't that much of a risk. Um. I can't even remember the question now, I've thought for so long. <laughs>
1: <You> know, <it's, laughs> um, I, I guess it's kind of like that motivation that, that but I think you're answering it though, that, that kind of that moment of seeing this younger chap with a gaffer tape, mm. you know, around his shoe, who seems to be living a life that is fulfilling and meaningful and that there's joy there that's not attached quite so directly mm. perhaps to, you know, financial progression and all these nice holidays. And, yeah. and then actually mm, when it comes yeah. to taking like something off your plate or taking a hmm. paying a price maybe for the access to, to to that to touch that dream um that actually hmm. maybe it, it was a reframe that money isn't the thing that you're going for in and of itself that there's something it, Yeah that's... it was
2: a reframe exactly it it was very much it was very much that it was very much I I I, I remember saying I I I am going to take my I'm going to put writing front and center hmm. For I think I said five years. I said, that, and then if in five years' time <laughs> I'm I'm no further on, or, or I don't feel I'm nearer to my goal of being published, or I don't feel I'm improving, then I can re turn the focus back on and put audiology front and center again. You know, I'll be forty five, which is not you know, it's still time to <laughs> carry on building a career. Um,
1: so it's taking that goal seriously. And
2: it, 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 I think it really benefited me as well because I didn't do it by halves. Mm. <laughs> like, I think I tried before. I had tried before to just, I'm just going to set my alarm an hour earlier and get up and do my, do some writing before I go to work. Um, but po- probably because I'm not really a morning person, it just never worked. <laughs> it never stuck. It just never stuck because... You know what it's like. Other stuff happens, and your alarm goes off an hour earlier than you wanted to. And you, you know, you've been out the night before, and I'll oh, snooze a few times. Like, I'll start the book tomorrow, you know, mm. and then tomorrow becomes next month, becomes next year, becomes never. Um, so I think the fact that I did, I didn't just kind of take a bit of a detour. It was a, it was a complete different path. You know, I, I remember like again, the, the very first day. I so I I what was it? I I, was, I went from f- f- five days a week to Monday. I think I was working Mondays, Thursday, and Friday. It doesn't really matter anyway. The very first day I was in, it was a weekday, and I wasn't in my day job. I remember really clearly thinking, "Today I am going to sit at my laptop and I am going to write something. At least I have to because if I, even if the very first day, if I end up spending it watching daytime TV mm. and <laughs> masturbating, <you> know, <laughs> then then that's a kind. Then then that's not that's not why I've done this. That's not why I've gone part time to, to watch uh, Richard and Judy or whoever it would have been. You know, and certainly um, not to masturbate while watching Richard and Judy. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that was no, that was never really going to be one of them. <laughs> um, you know, but um, I, I, I very from the day from day one I knew I had. And again, now, this is probably my father's influence actually. But from day one I knew I had to treat this as another job.
3: -hmm.
2: It wasn't a hobby. It it was. I I, I'd chosen to turn it from a hobby into a job.
0: Okay, Steve, I'm going to stop you there because there's two directions that we could take, right? Like, and I'm curious about both, and I think we can only do one, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, part of me really wants to ask you about how you did that and what processes you put into place and how you know you got support to do that. I'm sure you've probably spoken about that elsewhere. Maybe, maybe we can get you back at some point, you know, if we're talking about writing <laughs> process, but yeah. I, I really do want to get into the psychology of it because your, your father's come up so much mm. and what really strikes yeah. me, right. Is this, and it's a really interesting, like relation to Freud, which I can't help but, <laughs> but notice because I'm a Freud nerd. But um, the the main thing is that there's this kind of difference between calling invocation and what I would say, like uh, th- that there's also this wound, there's this wound of uselessness that you, you, mm-hmm. you feel compelled to compensate for. Right. So it's approving mm-hmm. oneself because of this internalized voice, but
2: mm-hmm.
0: there's also a vision that was there way before you were in the NHS and that writing was always there, which feels like it doesn't come from a wound. It comes from some someplace else, right? Some who kn- who knows mm-hmm. that, that yeah. that's where things are yeah. kind of spooky. Now the Freud reference is this. Um, quite famously, his father also told him that he would amount to nothing. And right. also, quite famously, you might not know this, but the the book that launched his career, The Interpretation of Dreams, was published when he was forty. Wow! So okay, he was, And right. uh, yeah, I, I knew mean, I had something in common with Freud. <laughs> <Seating>. <laughs> He had a career as a neurologist until then. He was dissecting nudes. He was working on aphasia, quite famously, working in cocaine and that sort of thing. But it was the interpretation of dreams that started psychoanalysis as a thing. So Freud, as psychoanalyst, Mm. started at 40 until he died at 80-something, right? Mm. But very similarly was motivated by, and he says in his own words, you know, motivated by his father's comment that he would amount to nothing. Mm. So I know I'm kind of throwing a lot at you and Natalie talked about our questioning technique and that we throw too much at (laughs) people and don't give them a direct question. So I just (laughs) failed that one straight away. But do you think that maybe you could say something about, and I know you're saying you're still learning this kind of thing, but how your vocation, let's say for lack of a better word, how your vision to Mm -hmm. need to be writing something, the meaning, the fulfillment side sits next to, the wound side, right, where also Mm. the the imposter syndrome sits and the the, am I good enough still arises. Are these things Mm. that work in tandem? Do you struggle with being motivated by one towards the other? It sounds like you felt like that uselessness was a great motivator for you, but it also sounds like it was a painful one and whether
2: you could have been motivated without without that. (sighs) Yeah. I mean... I think it's only after the fact I can look back and realise it was a motivator. Yeah, because I think it it was filtered through. Because I, I internalised it completely and I completely believed it, um, and and so that kind of that turned into quite a severe self loathing. Uh. I think that okay. That's probably an exaggeration. Self-loathing is not perhaps right, but I didn't like myself um, as a as a child and a younger person. Um, I couldn't really see why anybody else would either. Mm. Um, and so I think that kind of I I think. All that kind of went into the mix, along with my sexuality, and I struggled with that for a long time, to come to terms with it, to be open about it, to be proud of it. certainly took me a long time. Um, So that was in there too. Um, Kind of I'm an only child, so with parents who, you know, my dad is a very complicated person, not a happy person, not a... His whole family are were, are strange. <laughs> strange. <laughs> I mean, we could do ninety minutes on that, but that's obviously not particularly interesting. Um, that also all, all kind of fed into. I was also, you know, I come from a working class background. Um, I, I, I kind of, on some deep level, kind of knew it, it was it was the place I. I grew up was somewhere I was gonna to have to escape. I was bullied at school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rubbish at sports, bullied at school. It just kinda of goes on and it kind of all created this sort of um in a way it was almost a kind of like life is shit, but it's what I deserve way. Mm-hmm. I mean that and that's not that's not that's not pra- well I said it though, didn't I? So obviously there it's there somewhere. But it was more, so I think it, it kind of all went into the mix, and, and and I kind of felt like maybe as I began to develop more confidence and more, and I began to like myself a bit more, and I began to have friends and 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 start to conquer that, I kind of then felt a need or a desire to. I don't even know what I'm saying. What am
0: I saying? I'm hearing you say that this pain, even though it was outside of your awareness, was actually a very strong motivation mm. for you, that you yeah. you really, you had to on some level, I don't know, yeah. in, in, in the health striving way, prove to yourself or mm. prove to others that that wasn't true. There must've been something that
2: said, I can prove it's not true. Mm. Yes. I had to prove, prove to it. it it's funny. I think I, I kind of, I think what I was maybe getting at was I, I think I kind of, I really, I reached some point where I kind of realized I had to either prove to myself that I was better than, not better than other people or anything like that. I'm not saying that at all, but better than I thought I was, that I was go, I was not useless. I was able to achieve things. I was able to make a lot, to build a life and, and, to do something with my life. It was, it almost felt like I had to make that choice or the alternative choice was to do essentially what my dad did, which was to decide that he would live out his years being bitter and twisted and cynical and hating everybody and everything. That felt like my choice. I'm quite, I can be quite a black and white person. It Mm. did really almost feel like those were my choices. There was no middle ground of just like living a, you know, K-ish kind of, it
3: almost felt like I,
2: Yeah, it it kind of felt like it, it, I wanted to do something really big.
1: It was a fork in your road.
2: Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I can't put a thing on when it happened. It, I think it was a gradual thing, perhaps, or a st- thing I struggled with for a, for a long time. Um, but I've always felt kind of driven to kind of yeah to do
0: to do something it's interesting just how they sit on top of each other, because you could say, you know, this is where you get a big difference between what I would call like process and content, right. That mm. <clears throat> to get, you know, to have your own, to lead your own department and the NHS, for example, for some mm. people would answer that question, right? Like I, yeah. that, that proves I'm not yeah. useless and I've, you know, yeah. I've done the conventional thing, you know, and I've, and I've, mm. I've arrived, but for you, and I guess this will continue to be things we explore in lots of these interviews is that there was a unique expression that was outside the conventional route that was going to answer that question better than the route you were in. And something inside you knew that, like it sounds like very deeply that you made a five-year commitment. And at that stage, the commitment is to have written something that was good enough, not to have written something that did what it did. Mm -hmm. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of profound to see when you think about those two elements (laughs) yeah fusing
2: yeah and and, uh, yeah and i think i think that even though i found it a very uncomfortable thing to hear when my therapist said to me you know your father's technique well yeah i'm sure it wasn't a technique he sat down (laughs) and felt came up but, but what he did actually did create did did drive you to do something which has been extraordinary you know it's kind of it's true um Uh, Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I don't, I, I, yeah. (laughs) I was going to say, I wish he hadn't, I wish he'd just been a nice normal person who sort of told me that I was a, I was a good, you know, whatever I did was good enough and he loved me anyway and blah, blah, blah. But then I wouldn't be, I probably wouldn't be sitting here now talking to you about a book that I've written and and that was a massive success. I I don't know what I would be doing, but then, but then maybe I'd be (laughs) equally happy just doing something else.
0: Yeah.
2: No, no one ever knows.
0: No.
2: I guess my, my,
0: my, my suggestion, well, I don't know if it's a suggestion, but sort of, That internalized voice that so many that all of us have to some degree just Mm. different for each of us. Just Mm. being able to identify that 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 doesn't need to be satisfied anymore. You know, it's it's so Mm. it perpetuates itself. We always struggle with it. We take it too seriously, right? But it's sort Mm. of like to really see, you know. We get into a cycle, I think, of keep keeping on having to answer it and yeah. to find something that fits, right?
2: Yeah, which is interesting, isn't it? Because I think that's one of the things I maybe struggle with now, perhaps, is that to use your mountain analogy, which I really liked, is like it feels like I climbed to the almost top of one mountain, then realised I wanted to be on that mountain <laughs> instead. Did what I needed to do, and now I'm in a way I got to the top of that mountain. So it's like I I not only identified the mountain I wanted to go up which many people I imagine don't ever really know but I managed to get to the very top of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then it's like now what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, what what now? I mean I and, and that's I think that's what I'm now I now struggle with is like it's not enough. <laughs> I mean it is enough, but also it's like I I don't want to just sit around now on the top of my mountain. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but maybe maybe then it becomes less about climbing mountains and more about presence and awe, which I know might sound a bit odd, but when you get to the point and you know that you've been able to do it and you've walked into the path of that creative calling, and I, I don't know what language you'd put to this, but your heart knows that it's possible. It, it's, you've satisfied on these different levels that we've been talking about. You wrote a book. You gave yourself some time. You committed yourself to mm. this this dream, this this beloved calling that you had since you were young, and then all of these other external accolades um, have come as a result of that, then maybe the question is less about the goalposts moving, and it's more a deepening into what is it that's at the heart of that creative calling that so captured your imagination that maybe you were yeah. born with or whatever. And how do you connect with that And that relationship may change over time. Maybe it's that you then, from your vantage point, on the mountain with this extraordinary vista and all of the experience (laughs) that's taken you to that place, maybe it could Mm. be sharing that with others. Maybe it's teaching. Maybe it's... um, Yeah. There's so many different ways, but there's something about that connection with that source point within you that's going to be in in constant exploration and development and dialogue. And maybe that that
3: deepening is...
2: Yeah, I think yeah you're right and I think it's now I'm now on the journey I'm on now is is to make it more about the work that, I mean it always was about the work that I'm doing but to find my joy in that not in external success or you know whatever so I remember I, I did a couple of years ago I was working on a book which wasn't going very well mm. and um, no one seemed to like it <laughs> um, well I mean yeah I'm, I'm exaggerating, but. But but crucially, I didn't either. You know, I, I was and I was look I was staring down the barrel of maybe in another two or three edits of a book that I wasn't really enjoying mm. and didn't really. Do. I was writing for other people, <laughs> uh, you know, publishers basically. Um, And I just and I and I was like, I'm not enjoying this. And so, what the what is the point? And it really felt like there is no. I may as well. What's the point of climbing this mountain if I'm going to actually? It's got me to a place where I'm not enjoying the actual the actual work, the actual creation. So you know, and I I, and I think that's where I am now. Is kind of I found I've I've, I, I love writing again now. The things, the thing, I'm, the thing I'm writing at the moment, you know, it might be no one else likes it, but that's almost not important. Mm. Um, it's funny in a way, isn't it? It almost feels like I've gone full circle back to I want to write a book that is good again, and it would be nice if someone else said it was good as well. Obviously, well, I guess the,
0: the 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 wonderful thing about life is it, it, it never just stops what you're done, <laughs> yes. right? Like there will always be, yeah. it will always ask of you, you know, um, to show up for the, yeah. the, the next thing. Right. And like, you don't solve it with, um, by ticking a box, even if it's an extraordinary one.
2: Mm. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, cause you know, I have certainly have family members who are, are, are seem, well, but yeah I seem content with kind of doing their work and then coming home and having their dinner and watching tv and then that doesn't feel like enough for me I'm not saying I'm special and they're, and they're, they're it's, it's inferior I'm not saying that their life is you know I kind of envy them in some way but um, I think that there's
1: also that creative restlessness and I don't think it's necessarily yeah. just for, you know, just within creativity, you see it with people who are athletes or family members who are surgeons who at age 70 plus are still climbing their mountain. It's exhilarating to them. So mm. it can be anything. But I think when there's this creative restlessness and that sense of, I want my life to be extraordinary, whether that's in mm. grandiose, externally kind of explicit ways, or it's more a quality of how you're spending your time. Maybe that mm. doesn't leave us. Maybe it just shifts, and that's all right too. And um,
3: mm.
1: I mean, maybe also now, kind of. I know we're going sort of into deep territory again, and we do need to think about yes. <laughs> closing <laughs> this really wonderful conversation. Um, do you want to take a lead on the on the closing questions? Pick a place.
0: Oh, what well, for the quick fire close? Yeah. yeah
2: so which isn't quick? Oh, okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. So these are these are <laughs> um, these are short. For well, we yeah. ask. Questions and they're, they're, they're quicker answers, right? So, just maybe a couple yeah. of sentences, Max, as we kind of like <laughs> start Lumber. to. Yeah, kind of <laughs> quite, quite, quite a ju- yeah, jump into um, out of the depths, uh, which you've taken us to, to, to really, really well. Um, I'm good at taking people to the depths. Yes. That's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, just a really simple, you know, ha- how are you feeling in this moment right now after after our talk today?
2: Um, it's been really interesting uh, in, a, in a way I wasn't necessarily expecting. <laughs> Sorry, no, just, I mean, that's not, a, that's not,
1: sh- like, I thought no shade, that. that's not a read, but you know,
2: I, I was, um, yeah, it's, um, it's been interesting to kind of think about these things and, and how I think these are all thoughts I've had most of the things I've talked about are thoughts I've had before, but I've never like strung them together and realised perhaps to such an extent, the cause and effect of what my dad was like. And how that led to this and led to that and led to the other. So yeah, it's been really interesting.
1: Is there anything that kind of maybe you learned about yourself today when you said something like, Oh, I didn't realise I thought that or felt this, or has it been <laughs> more a kind of a, a making out loud, like putting out loud some of the, the ideas you already had and the sensations and recollections you already had?
2: It's been a combination. I think it's funny. Yeah. Okay. This maybe is more more than answer to the question the question you asked before. But I almost feel slightly warmer towards my father today than Mm. than now than I did two hours ago. Um, I always have kind of felt a sympathy for him. I think he's a product of his generation and his and his as we all are and his background. Mm. But I realized that you know what he the way he was kind of has helped me to become who I am albeit <laughs> in a way that he maybe wasn't anticipating himself but yeah um mm. that's a pretty extraordinary outcome I think yeah.
0: considering what you yeah said. yeah <laughs> yeah um Steve if you could go back and say something to your 10 year old self what would it be
2: um I find that really difficult because but what I would want to go back and the, the gist of it would be just try and learn to like yourself. Mm. You know, eventually you will. The sooner you do, <laughs> the easier things are going to get. You're not that bad, I think, is what I would yeah. say. Mm. Um, no, I think I would, I think I would say, you know, I would be, it would basically be along the lines of, you know, you struggle, but you are in quite a difficult environment, your parents and, and your sexuality and all of that kind of stuff, and you're doing all right. Because I always thought everything was my fault.
1: <laughs> well, what do you think he might might want to say to you?
2: Haven't um, you done well? Look at that. <laughs> um, probably I would want to tell myself not to take everything so seriously all the time.
0: Oh, wait, well, you'd want your 10-year-old self to tell your 52-year-old self, don't take yourself so seriously mm. all the time. That sounds like great mm, advice, yeah. actually, from your 10-year-old. Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah. more practical now. If you were to give one single piece of advice to someone who is in a working life that isn't speaking to their, say, grander vision or vocation. What could they take from you to move move forward? Do you think?
2: Well, I think one of the things that I'm possibly the thing I'm most happy about is I'm not. I don't intend to retire. The, the thought of retiring. I'm. I'm fortunate that I found a job that I would. I want to do for as long as I am able to do it and i think whatever that might be whether you know you want to be a surgeon or what, you know, whatever it might be try, try and find a thing that you don't you can imagine the thing that you do for the joy of doing it and you don't want to stop doing it and it's not about the rewards it brings financial or otherwise well i suppose the rewards should be because it makes you feel fulfilled mm. but that's you know i think that's probably what i would do you
1: know um lovely advice
2: yeah (laughs) and
1: so thinking about resources things that have moved you music books films um is there anything that springs to mind that you would recommend people
2: look to for inspiration of some kind
1: (laughs) apart from your own fabulous works
2: (laughs) (laughs) well no I mean because it's like that's not I don't know (sighs) It's still because everyone's different, you know. I could, I, I, could say the music of the Cure inspired me, but then other people might bloody hate the Cure and think that would be the last thing they would be <laughs> find inspiring. Um, I think it was. I think I don't know. This isn't really. Uh, I, I, I just. I think it's more of a general. I mean, this maybe ties in with more of a piece of advice of just just absorbing stuff. I think I kind of forgot for a long time, actually, how important it is to be out in the world, experiencing the world, whether that's through books or galleries or TV or films and everything, I, I you know, it's just to, re- to remain curious. Remain curious and get impacted by stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's not pointing anyone to a specific thing and saying that's, that I find that really inspiring well i can get behind the cure <laughs> <laughs> okay, <good. laughs> okay as we
0: kind of really really close up now is there um a question you wish we'd asked you um and that we didn't or is there something that you'd like us to know that we didn't get to
2: i don't think there is really no um no <laughs> if i think you know it's been a very uh Profound, enlightening experience. Oh.
0: I'm, I'm
2: um, glad it has. I mean, I suppose we didn't really talk about my mom. If my mom ever gets to hear this, she'll be upset that we didn't talk about her. But that's because everything's fine there. You know, <laughs> she t- she taught me to love books. So she did a she did at least as much as my dad did.
0: Oh. Well, maybe another a conversation for the future would be interesting
2: <laughs> about how those two
0: influences one which feels a little bit maybe softer mm. or sort of less. Yeah, concrete in some kind of a way but but maybe quite profound and in, in deep that yeah could be a yeah. conversation yeah. Yeah.
1: and so what have you got coming up next that you might want to share with people is there anything you're looking forward to that the listeners might want to hear about
2: uh, i am looking forward to continuing to write yeah <laughs> um <laughs> uh, i haven't got a date for a new book yet but um uh, yeah, I'm, write, I'm also writing my, uh, I'm doing a kind of an e- experiment on my sub stack where I'm writing, I'm uploading a chapter, well, at the moment it's a chapter every six weeks, so it's oh. agonizingly slow. <laughs> I'm hoping to put my foot on the accelerator on that quite soon. But yeah, I'm going to Iceland in November oh. to nice. do Iceland Noir Literary Festival, which oh. I, I go every year. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I'm up to, just various, just plodding on.
1: Sounds well, like some wonderful adventures.
2: Yes. And if people are interested <laughs> yeah. in your substack, we'll definitely put that in the show notes. They yeah. can they can find
0: you there. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah. Thank you.
2: Yeah. And yeah, and also I'm also doing my own podcast, but it's uh very different to this. <laughs>
1: What's it called, and where can we find
2: it? It's called Let's Get Lit. So it's it's a, a friend of mine, Will, uh, who's another author, and we, we, it's quite interesting actually. We're, we're kind of we basically realised that we are both so hilarious when we have a chat in the pub <laughs> that we should record this and put Absolutely. it out there. And podcasting allows us to do that. So it's reading, writing, drinking. We had a similar conversation. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. Yes. Maybe we should join forces. Yes.
2: Yeah. Quad <laughs> <laughs> quadcast,
0: quadcast. Yeah. But it's
2: interesting because I think I think the flip side of it is 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 we're both coming at things from quite different angles in terms of I've had a mass, you know, I have had massive success and he's had less success but is critically acclaimed and and so we both have a kind of slightly different and but also surprisingly similar takes on lots of stuff to do with what Mm. we do so it's I think it's interesting but then I'm biased because I think I'm (laughs) hilarious (laughs) (laughs) well we will certainly share that as well (laughs) well
0: Steve like I mean I know it's in the title of our podcast time to show up but really grateful for you showing up as authentically and as as deeply and honestly as you've gone with us today it's been a real pleasure to speak to you and discover that
2: stuff together. So thank you so much. Thank you. very Well, thank you. It's been, yeah, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's been a great pleasure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We hope you enjoyed that discussion as much as we did, but that's not all there is to it.
0: Wait, there's more?
1: (laughs) Yes, there is. Be sure to tune in to our next episode where Aaron and I will be diving deeper into the themes that came up in this interview.
0: That's right. In the next episode, Natalie and I will not only discuss the salient issues that arose here, but we'll also be pointing to models, theories, and practices from the world of psychology and behavioral science to help you make more sense of them so you can apply them to your own journey.
1: And for those of you who are curious to learn even more, we have developed an online community where you'll be able to find more resources to explore and have opportunities to discuss this and other episodes with other community members in a forum and through live events and AMAs.
0: In this, our first season of Time to Show Up, we're making all this great content freely available to the public. But next season, material from the review episodes, along with the great resources and opportunities for community members to connect, learn and grow, will only be available by subscription.
1: And since we know that listening to material itself isn't enough to facilitate desired change, we've designed this community specifically to give you the support you need to take your learning even further.
0: And if you join us at the start of our journey and sign up before April 5th, 2024, we're offering a no-strings three-month membership for free at timetoshowup.org.
1: That's right. And if you choose to stay on with us, which we hope you will, we'll give you a 25% early bird discount just to say thank you. If you're tuning in after that April date, don't worry, you can still try out a free two-week membership with no obligation. There are different packages to choose from, and you can find out more and get in touch at timetoshowup.org.
0: Thanks for tuning in.
3: And see you for the review.